everyone, John Clare here, and welcome to the EvoFi podcast, a finance podcast for humans. Today's episode focuses on ways to create a fulfilling life, both in and out of the office. We're lucky to have Diane McPhee of DMAC Consulting, connecting in from her office in New Jersey, here to talk with us today about it. Now, in full disclosure, we've worked with Diane for many years at our quote-unquote side hustle, Evo Advisors, and I think you'll be able to tell that based on the easy flow of today's conversation. Now, prior to becoming a professional certified coach, Diane was actually a CFP professional and advisor herself from 1989 until 2006 when she sold her business. Today, in her consulting practice, Diane works with her clients to attain results within their definition of success in and out of the office, as well as helping them design and live a fulfilling life. I think you'll find some very simple tips and takeaways from this podcast that you could easily implement in your own lives, not to mention a few good book recommendations that Diane throws out. And let's face it, we can all use a little extra help these days. Representing the EvoFi team today is myself, Dave O'Brien, and Penny Lobrid. If you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at EvoFi Podcast, or drop the podcast a line at EvoFiPodcast at gmail.com. As a reminder, this podcast is 100% free of any tax, legal, or investment advice. Our goal here is education and some fun too. If you need advice in any of the areas mentioned, tailored to your specific circumstances, feel free to give us a call and we'll see how we can help. So with that, here's the EvoFi team talking with Diane McPhee. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the EvoFi podcast, a finance podcast for humans. We are lucky enough to have Diane McPhee of DMAC Consulting here to join us today. Our coach. Our coach. Our coach. And she can explain what that means a little bit later. Um, Her business focuses on financial advisors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals uh, to help them reach peak performance. But we also think there's some relatable skills here to help us in our personal life outside of the office and create that balance. So, Diane, we're so happy to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. I really am. Awesome. Awesome. And in the studio, we have Penny Lowbred and Dave O'Brien. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dave. Hi, Penny. Hi, Hi, Diane. All right. So before we get started, is there anybody that has anything they want to say before we kick this thing off? Nope, I'm good. No sports going on. There's no... No, the French Open's going on. Is that a golf tournament? No. And the Stanley Cup and the NBA play, uh, Finals. Oh. And, and my the, Yankees are on fire. And the college. And fire. I thought you were a College Mets World fan. Series. College World Series for uh, women's softball, too. Okay. College World Women's Series World for baseball. Cup. Auburn's in the so, Super Regional. Okay. All, All right, right, everybody. John is totally up on his sports talk now. I have kids. That's Back how, to that, you, John. That's how it happens. I always think of Auburn when I think of Penny. Everybody All right, would be right. <laughs> well, I know. So for those of you listening, there is a large orange coffee cup that says Auburn Tigers 2010 National Champions, which means it's a dated cup. <laughs> which means we are in need of one. <laughs> Aren't we all? All right, so here's the deal. Says the Virginia Tech alumni. That's right. Yeah. Someday. Someday. All right, so as I mentioned, this podcast, which is episode 18, 
we've uh, affectionately titled Creating a Fulfilling Life in and Out of the Office. So, Diane, no pressure there. 30 seconds, turn your life into a fulfilling one. Okay. No? No, that's good. It's that's more, good. more than 30 seconds. But most importantly. Yeah, yeah. We'll okay. get, yeah, I'll definitely uh, lengthen that time okay. frame, but, but good, good thought. And as you can tell, Diane is from uh, a southern state. Georgia with her accent you can tell so you may pick that up later I'm a proud Jersey girl so I know this is the part that you've been dreading the most which is the Evo 5 so yes. have you practiced uh, well you told me some of the questions were being uh, changed around and I have no clue what I'm expecting today None. okay okay Zero. good so we'll, let's rock this out fast so we can get to what people really want to hear um, what profession other than your own would you attempt Mm. I would attempt uh, professional tennis. Mm. I enjoy it. I didn't know you were a tennis player. I am not. (laughs) (laughs) She enjoys it. I did years ago. That's what people always say when they're like a four or five or something. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, no, I'm not that good. Yeah, yeah. For for the people who don't follow tennis, they have no yeah, idea and, what that and, means. You know, a right four or five on a scale of five. That's pretty right, good. Okay. Right behind that is a writer novel. I would love to write novels. All right, Diane, wait for it. This is the question that you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite word? Ah, that is very easy. My favorite word is inspire. I love that word. Okay, I, I have a feeling we'll get to know more about that today. So yes, you will. Fantastic setup. What would you do differently if you knew no one would judge you? Hmm. Uh, I don't want to sound cocky or arrogant, but I never really do worry about people judging me. I, I often feel that when people have the right intentions, I don't really care what someone thinks. So I would pretty much, if I wanted to do something, I would do it. Um, I, I would, re- you know, if I had to worry about anything, it would probably be get up on a stage and sing. Nice. So no karaoke later. I can make that happen if you want to come down here. <laughs> karaoke is a little easier because you're usually not alone. But uh, And everybody in the audience has been drinking yeah. so much they really don't understand what you're singing. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> All right. That's good. All right, Diane. I know you don't like this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Greatest of all time. Mm, in anything. I, pick yeah. something that comes to mind. If you could have dinner with one person, who would it be? And it can't be your spouse. I mean, it could, mm-hmm. but just not in this. No, question. no. I would say, um, I would say the author of the Harry Potter series, Rowling, mm-hmm. her beginning and her the way you know, four thirty in the morning, single mom, and ended up having this huge blockbuster. I would love to hear how her life went from, you know, writing at four thirty in the morning in, in cafes and trains and everywhere else to being a multimillionaire. Huh. Wasn't that Bob Virus's favorite artist uh, author too, or maybe that was? No, Play-Doh. I heard his podcast. I don't remember. I don't think it was her. Uh, I think I may have Play-Doh. joked. I think it was Plato, but yeah, uh, yeah. And close. I don't know that that would be the greatest person, but it's just a, a significant experience that I would have dinner with and love to hear. My kids may want to come with you to dinner. Just saying. Ah, there you go. And your All right, kids so here's the final one. You got cute kids. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So name that tune, Diane. So in the theme of the podcast, we struggled with this one because of your your musical taste running so deep. So we've tried to find one that's appropriate. Again, we'll see if you all can figure it out. Diane, here we go. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. Oh my God, I'm terrible with titles. Do you need a hint? Everybody's 
Dave, Dave can give you a little help. Give me an audio hint, yes. Okay. The name of the song was in the lyrics that you just heard. That's not much of a help. It was so low. I'm trying to help her. Something today. Maybe Penny can help you. Some people are beyond help. Penny, help me out, someone. I'm terrible. I think they've given you all the help you need. (laughs) Well, um, help me help you. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. (laughs) Is that close? Are we going to give that to her? Uh, Help. Help. uh, Stop there. Stop. Stop. You've said help three times. That's the name of the song. Help. There you go. Okay, Diane McPhee right. scores. Right. Well done, Diane. That was pretty pathetic with all the help I got. Well, we'll, we'll okay, go back and right along to the that's topic what friends at are hand. For. We'll go back and count the number of times we well, said help. And I, you threw me a curveball because I changed my Beatles to Bruno Mars, but I guess uh, you forgot that. I didn't forget, but the Beatles, I'd already picked that. So. Yeah, I love early Beatles. All right. Anyway, all Diane, right. good sport. So here we go. Now that the ice is sufficiently broken. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit, just, you know, five minutes about your background, where you come from, and how you got to where you are, to the pinnacle of your career on this podcast. All right, very good. Um, Grew up in New Jersey, one of seven children, Uh, through my 20s, variety of jobs until I really um, resonated with the financial planning profession. So I launched a private fee-only practice as a certified financial planner, um, did that for 16 years and then shifted to uh, uh, becoming a business coach and consultant for financial advisors. The passion behind it was I really, really enjoy um, helping people not be settled with their life. I mean, not, you're going to probably hear that message more than once today. I find it very sad when people feel like it's their lot in life to just accept where they are. So a lot of what I do is driven by the fact that I want people to understand they have possibilities. And and so what was the, uh, the the pivot point where you realized switching from a financial advisor to to becoming more of a coach? What, what was that moment? Yeah, that was um, NAFA, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. They sent me around the country uh, conducting transition to fee-only workshops. And initially we were just explaining to uh, broker dealer audiences how what fee only would look like and what a RIA shop would look like and I called the you know headquarters in NAFA and said you know we could really expand this workshop and help uh, financial advisors understand what does it look like in full full magnitude to have your own practice your own RIA shop so we expanded the workshop and it went on for about two years 15 cities I had a number of panelists that I had joined my workshops. And as a result of all of that, it ignited a passion in me to change from working with the general public conduct doing financial planning to working with financial advisors, helping them get a leg up with their businesses. Okay. And so I know what people are thinking, listening and saying, well, I'm not a financial planner. I don't, I don't need a business coach. So why am I going to listen any further? So Diane, in the run up to this, you and I spoke about business coach versus life coach versus, all of those things. So kind of sets a stage for us today. Obviously, they may people listening may not be financial planners, but there are a lot of professional things they'll be able to take away from today. Sure. A lot of things about life that they can take away from today. So uh, can you explain, I think some people probably know what a business coach is, but explain the difference between a business coach and a, and a more of a life coach. Sure, sure. Um, in fact, in the early years, life coach had a little bit of a fluffy 
you know, uh, connotation to, mm -hmm. to that title. Um, and I think that was because there wasn't um, an understanding of formal training, et cetera. But a life coach is, is going to be somebody who is definitely far more invested in the personal life issues. It might be uh, weight loss. It might be relationship problems. It could be a number of things, actually, where uh, someone's looking to improve their life. A business coach, there's actually a, a few different business coaches. Internal is a very common, I'm, I'm more unique. I'm, I would say I'm a more unique business coach because most business coaches are executive coaches internally in corporations where they are, that is their only client, one corporation. Uh, I'm a business coach that works with a number of different businesses. And to your point, your listeners, it's not about, oh, I'm not a financial advisor, so therefore, you know, what will I learn? It's about understanding, do you feel good about your performance at what you do every day? When you get up in the morning and you go to work, do you, are you excited? Do you feel good about what you want to do? So, so many times, even though my clients are financial advisors, really what I do is, is transformative in any profession because, and transferable because you want someone to say to themselves, you know, I'm, I'm not content with where I am. I know I could be in a better place. What does that look like and how do I get there? That's what a business coach should do. They should assess where are you now, where do you want to be, and what's that place in between? Well, I think there's a lot of relatable points there to folks who are professional, people who are between careers, people who are leaving their career and transitioning from point A to point B. I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that can, people can take away from this. So I'm going to put you on the spot right away here, mm -hmm. uh, sure. which is, so what's the secret? So we've got lots of things we can talk about, but you know, if you had to name a couple of things that are the key elements to, to creating that you know, successful, balanced, fulfilling life in and out of the office, what are some of the things that come to mind? Yeah, sure. Um, one of them would be to um, get very comfortable. <laughs> this is probably not something you're expecting. Get very comfortable with routine. Uh, people find routine as a very boring, you know, kind of a thing. They want excitement. They want zest in their in their work life. And yet, if you cultivate good habits. And, and you and you decide on, well, if I were to do this every day, incrementally, I will get better and better at what I do. So so one of the um, most recent books I'm reading, it's an excellent book, and it was actually a recommendation from a financial advisor. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he, and he has a website, James, jamesclear.com. And he has a, a newsletter, and it's all about a mindset of success. And But he's not you know, pie in the sky. It was a very, really good read on how you should think about the habits that you want to develop and cultivate, honor the routine, don't slip into complacency, keep asking yourself, am I, am I moving towards where I want to be? So, so that's one thing where your focus would be something on, I understand where I am, but I want to be somewhere better. And everyone hears all of that at conferences and they read books and there's no practical advice. Well, the, the practical advice is drill it down to one day and say to yourself in the immediate future, what are some habits that I will honor each day? That to me is probably one of the most important things to instill in a work week. So is that, is that habits like professional habits or is that I get up every day at 6 a.m. and I brush my teeth and I have the same meal? I mean, so a little bit more, what, what does that Entail. Yeah, great question. It, it, it is actually, I get up at 6 a.m. brush my The more routine that you have, the more you think less about what you need to do and you spend more of your 
thinking time, being in the present moment. So obviously if we get up at 6 a.m. every day and we brush our teeth, that does not require a lot of thinking. But if the next thing is, gee, I wanna drop 20 pounds, 30 pounds, I'm gonna start working out. Well, if you stay at a blah, blah workout, same workout in out every day, you will hit a plateau and you won't go anywhere. But if you start to think about, gee, how can I incrementally get better? That is, is, is a focus that you should have. So to answer your question, when you look at a work week, many times it's dominated by appointments and they're not always business, dentist, haircut, children's activities, plus client appointment, et cetera, et cetera, professional colleague appointments. There are open pockets of time. So in those open pockets of time, even though you might be swamped with work, do you want to carve out any of that time to keep a routine going? So what are some of those things that you can, I'm going to keep going with this here. So we've all got things in the day. We've all got recurring appointments, carving out time to do what, what are some of those things that, that balance out the day that people can yeah, implement? Yeah. Great question. Um, in, uh, I'll use my own personal life. I am, um, I just ordered a Peloton. It's going to be uh, delivered. I'm very excited about it. Apparently it's a, it's rage across the country. Peloton. Did you so, get a bike or a treadmill? I got the bike. Okay. Got the bike, yeah. and, it's, uh, I, and it's obsessive. I'll just tell you that everybody, if you watch the Peloton videos and, and all of you out there, uh, see, this is not just business coach. Um, the website is onepeloton.com, O-N-E, onepeloton.com. You watch a few of those videos and you're going to be tempted. But Your anyway, advisors takes no advertising consideration. For yeah, Peloton exactly. I'm getting business. zero royalties for this. <laughs> My husband got one and he is on it all the time. It's, it's just, it's really really great workout but i haven't i'm not i'm waiting for mine to be delivered june 15th so anyway and my birthday is this friday so i wanted it by my birthday but i did not get it (laughs) happy early birthday thank you thank you so so to your point again um i want to set aside time to make sure that i'm going to honor a commitment to getting in really really good shape and again i say this to all my financial advisor clients When I go on and on about your fitness, it's not because of vanity. It's not because I think you should lose weight and look good. It's because if we all feel a fresher sense of energy and we come into the office feeling a little bit more fit, it really adds a lot to your day. It truly does. Not to mention the opposite is if you are not fit and you're not doing anything at all to get your body moving or whatever, you're going to be very irritable about those smallest little things that come down the pipe. And, and so, that, that's not helpful. It's, okay. it's just not helpful. So some sort of activity, a routine, I've got those so far. So yes. kind of the, is it the converse, the inverse? But people uh, who don't have a routine in their career, people who don't have regular things to do. I'm a salesperson and I travel all the time. And I, does that mean that by nature they are not fulfilled or they are not living a balanced life? Or is it just a different different cut of person yeah no no uh, all that means because you have to look at things in a different unique angle and fit to the person you're you're talking about so let's take your traveling salesperson let's say their passion is to be a writer so they have downtime they have downtime on an airplane they might have down you know other than driving they have downtime so are they going to carve out time to be a writer are they yeah. going to carve out time to enhance their skills and thanks Thanks to technology, iPad, iPhone, laptop, whatever, you can pretty much get on the internet and enhance any skill you're interested in. So it's making time for the things that that are important to you. Obviously, healthy, being healthy and exercising is one of them, but whatever your passion might be, making time for that. Because as we all probably can attest to, we always say that uh, we're going to get to this someday, and, and if you don't make time for it, you never do. 
Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I am saying that plus some. I'm saying that we all hear a hundred times make time and I'm saying carve out time. But really, I think what drives it home for the people who do succeed, it's that they honor that commitment and they keep a routine. Even if they get bored with it, even if they get bored with workouts or whatever, everybody will tell you after they finish a workout, they're glad they did it. But everybody will tell you when they first are considering it, they don't want to do it. <laughs> Same thing with writing. You're supposed, if you want to be a writer, you're supposed to get up. And I did it for about 29 days. And then I even was like, wow, I can't keep this going. I was supposed to write three pages a day. And, and it doesn't matter. If you don't have any thought in your head, you, you have to fill three pages. That was one of the most difficult things I ever did. And it lasted 29 days. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not bad because doesn't 21 days make a habit or something? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Someone says that. I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's another cool conversation. <laughs> All right. So we talked about routine. What else? What are some of the other keys to success at a very high level? Yeah, I would say that another one would be to, uh, that, you know, Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. You should take the time to deeply examine where your leanings are, where are your tendencies, where do you seem to get excited? And when I do this sort of exploratory conversation with uh, people and clients or friends at a barbecue or whatever, they'll say, well, I, you know, I know, I know, and I don't, I don't really know, I don't know. And one of the things that might tip you off, if you were to walk into a brick and mortar Barnes and Noble and you walked into that store, what section do you go to? Do you go to sports? Do you go to photography? Do you go to travel? And that that tendency, that direction, is at least a little bit of a hint that you should examine this a little bit further and, and, and see what you like. So for instance, if I went on the writing and the travel, if somebody loves to travel and they love to write, maybe their passion as a second career might be to be a travel writer. And they think it's impossible. And it's it's really not impossible. Ordinary people do extraordinary things all the time. So, Diane, where would you go in the bookstore? This is a great question. I'm going to ask everybody, so think about an answer. Diane, where would you go? This is interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, it's easy for me. I would go to the area that I that I coach in, personal development. I love the personal right. development. I mean, a lot of people will make fun of self-help books, and some of them, you know, are worthy of being made fun of. But but <laughs> there are a lot of great books out there. Um, another recent book uh, is Deep Work by Cal Newport. Okay. And his, his premise is that uh, people just don't take the time to do deep focus work. And if you look at a brand new corporate office of open cubicles, and there's a lot of energy, all good. But at the same time, the companies are realizing, yeah, we want to have this synergy between all our employees, but we need to have quiet rooms off to the side too, where people can go. And once they're in that room, people know they're off limits so that they can focus, that they can really focus without all of the, you know, phones ringing and things going on around them. Okay. Where would you go, Penny? Where do you think I would go? Finance section. No. (laughs) The sports section, always. I I figured. I yeah. didn't want to answer for you. Yeah. Okay. No, I like I I like sports biographies, and I think those are super interesting. Ah. So yeah, because there's always a story. You think about every famous sports person, you know, there's always a story. Yeah. Were you a sports writer, by the way, at one point? I was. Yeah. I did. did you know that? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I wrote for I the college. Yeah, I knew we shared a love of sports. Yeah. yeah I wrote ahead. for the college newspaper, and then out of school, I wrote for a small paper in Florida for a bit. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. That's very Called the cool. Miami Herald. But, uh, <laughs> it was not called the Miami. Wasn't the Miami? Oh. No. I was going to say the National Enquirer. <laughs> no. That's not in Florida. No. Dave, it's only on newsstands. Where would you go? I think I know that, too. I mean, like the coloring book section? or well, no. Is there a section for coloring books? There are, actually. Probably. Adult, actually, now there are adult, adult coloring, coloring books. books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm yeah. amazed that there's adult yeah. coloring books. No, but Dave, well, really, I, where were I you didn't go? know that there were Barnes and & Noble bricks and, mor- bricks and mortar stores <laughs> anymore. Um, oh, yeah. New Jersey. These they're, they're too. so well. I guess if I like had to go to one in New Jersey, I'd probably need to use the restroom by the time I got there. So is that yeah. a good answer? No, that's no, awful Dave, answer, Dave. Come on, Dave. John, where, you have I to answer. So okay, I have to answer. answer. Uh, you know, well, let's see. You know, financial planning books. No, no, I'm going to go to like Travel. paleontology and anthropology. That's where I I'm going. The, yeah, I was yeah. About Mesoamerican anthropology and paleontology. Okay. But that has a very, I think. That's very much aligned with financial planning because a lot of what we do, we are like, you know, digging through the layers of things that, you know, make up somebody's whole intersection of life and finance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. Fair. John. All right. Let's let's keep going. Can, I, can I guess where you're going? Yeah, go ahead. You're going to the music section. Actually, no. I <gasps> I would probably be in the kids' book section, and that sounds really creepy. But I probably oh, would be with my you're kids. Bu- you're buying books for your uh, daughter and your. If sons. you if you were alone, I would probably go to the history section. If you were alone and nobody saw you, in the I'm a big store. I'm a big like student of history. I love that type of stuff. Oh, interesting. Uh, so you know, there's a lot to be learned from that. A lot of parallels from people doing stupid things in the past and how we can not I, want to repeat them again. Yeah, we yeah. always do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Short, um, life ex- short life experience. Short life I like the I can read books. I, I, I'd, I'd stick with that. It's less depressing. <laughs> Fair enough. Diane, what were you saying? I was just going to say, there's uh, actually, there's two other thoughts uh, in terms of when you approach work and or yep, your personal great. life with success. I'm taking one notes. Would, yeah. One would be, uh, do not, there's always a struggle for people. Do not get attached to the outcome. And that runs counter to one of my principles of coaching where I say, Make sure you create a clear vision for yourself, develop strategy, have goals, et cetera. And yet what might run counter is, you know, don't get attached to the outcome. Well, the purpose for don't get attached to the outcome is you're supposed to revel in the journey. You are supposed to be very, very, very present in your process. So when you're working and you're getting excited about in, in, in particular, your financial advisory office, if you are all coalescing around, okay, how can we come up with a process that'll work here? There, you want to be very present in that moment. Don't get so hung up that the result has to be perfect by the following Friday. Instead, just stay very, very present in what you're doing. So, so that's one thing. Don't get attached to outcome and, and be very, um, you know, present in the moment. The other one is that um, when I said earlier, ordinary people do extraordinary things. It's true. And what comes out of that is if you have small habits very small steps, very small habits, and you you honor those and you stay true to them and you don't give up, you will, over time, see results that you just didn't expect. So I always laugh when I hear the term uh, overnight success. There is no overnight success. Every overnight success person will tell you there was days and weeks and months and years, and then there was a breakthrough moment. But the breakthrough moment, I was like, oh my gosh, it was rock star, overnight success. It's not. The rock star might have been living out of their car the first three years. So so it's interesting that people 
they they go for the fame and the fortune, but they don't realize it's the boring, you know, routine that I mentioned earlier. But it's the very small habits, small habits. So, so can you? Because we talked about routine, that was your number one tip, in no particular order. So, if I'm listening, how do we differentiate between small habits and routine? Is there a difference? There is. There is a small habit would be um, you would want to look at what's what's doable. Um, you know, not a stretch, but something that you can start off slow, mm-hmm. get yourself rocking and rolling with. The routine is uh, attached to what I coach very heavily on, which is your calendar. Yeah. I always tell people, use your calendar as your anchor, because even though we're all busy and we all have appointments, somewhere out on the calendar, there's open time. I don't know, maybe it's not next week or maybe it's this week, not next, but somewhere out there, three or four weeks, the calendar begins to lighten up. If that's the case for most individuals out there, no matter what they do for a living, you then say, oh, okay, this is a place where I start carving out the time for what do I really want to do? What do I really want to do? And, you know, I'm not going to be Pollyanna. We all have to work. We all have to get grunt work done. And there's a grind to to our work lives sometimes, but it doesn't have to be 100% grind. It really doesn't. It, but if you don't set aside the time, then mm-hmm. then so so the calendar is attached to routine. The habits, John, it's the actual executable action, the actual action. Like if you're going to be a writer, the pad and paper mm-hmm. that you're writing on, the the, the weights that you're lifting. Um, if you if you want to read in an area that you don't normally, uh, you're you're not very. You want to increase your knowledge in you're going to set aside the time to read and, and protect yourself from phone, email, and other individuals. Okay, good. So I think we all have all of those great intentions, right? But mm-hmm. there's, I don't know if it's setting a priority or just, you know, the hurdles that we hit every single day. How do you, how do you fix that? How do you say to yourself, okay, you're right, I have a, a, a habit or I'm going to take a small step every single day to achieve this, Oh yeah, but today I have carpool, and today I have ten client meetings, and today I. Yeah. So there are a million reasons why we don't do it. How do you yes. get yourself in the habit? How do you start, or how do you keep your focus and go? Okay, I will not let these little hurdles sidetrack me. Yeah, great question, Penny, because that really truly is why so many people get very discouraged. Um, that's why you hear about January being New Year's resolutions. And then by February, March, the gyms, all the health clubs are empty. They're back the 30 days of January and boom, by March or April, it's very quiet. Um, how you do that is if you look at everything realistically, the next seven or 10 days of your life is probably pretty scheduled. So you're already tightly scheduled, likely in the very near future. So you want to be realistic about when does this start for me? So, so for instance, if I'm getting a Peloton delivered June 15th, pretty much after June 15th, I have a decent idea of how much free time do I have. Now, to your point, Penny, if something legitimately hijacks your day, that's, that's hard. That's tough, whether it's children or an illness or, or contractors. I, I always laugh. I said, God love those contractors. They just show up whenever they want. <laughs> they don't really care if you have a client. Can't live without them. <laughs> They're like, well, I'm here and you better be glad I'm here. So, so anyway, those are the moments where, you, yes, you get hijacked. But truth be told, in, in a seven-day week, two or three weeks out, 100% of your week is not hijacked. So then it comes down to how do I honor what I said I would do? And, and sometimes it's not even about being uh, other people pulling you away. 
sometimes it's low motivation, very low. You're like, you're just like, I'm not, I'm not going to work out this morning. I'm too tired, you know, whatever. So, so each of those moments, when you hit a low, the only thing I can honestly say to anybody is, okay, acknowledge it. It's, it, it's, it's disappointing. Pick yourself up and start over again and go forward. And again, I will be very realistic and say, typically all of us have the next seven days or so pretty scheduled. So be very realistic about when you're going to carve out this time. Most people find early morning hours are, are wonderful because really most people are not um, obligated to anything between say 6 a.m. and 8, 8 a.m. maybe. So what happens if I have a really great routine but it starts to clash with my family's routine or my coworkers' routine. There's always the compromise or the balance. So how do you overcome that? Like, this is my routine. I'm focused and I'm going to stick to it. But suddenly, we all have routines and my family has a routine. And so then you Find have... a new family. <laughs> Find a new family. Okay. No, but you, I mean, we answer. all have those, you know, we, or we are all going to have that's those interactions that are going to throw off our routine because we're all trying to you know, accomplish our own thing. So it's more of a teamwork, family work kind of question. Yeah, that is. A, uh, two things come to mind as you're saying this. One is rigidity. You can't be rigid. You have to be a little bit flexible, a little bit fluid. Uh, you know, I will work out. <laughs> no, if something happens, maybe your workout got moved or whatever, or, or in the office, you were going to do something. So rigidity is one thing. Be, be self-aware of your own rigidity. Secondly, collaboration comes to mind. If, in fact, family and or coworkers could join you in this routine, that would be wonderful. Um, many times you'll see, I, I, I used to always uh, admire that when I would run, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, whatever, I'd admire the young mothers that are pushing a stroller with their kid in it in the middle of a race. You know, they, they're like, hey, uh, this is how I used to, if I didn't, work out with the stroller I would never be ready for this race so they they decided and they give a message to their family this is important to me and I'm going to do it so there's a communication that has to go on family member or coworker. number one that this is important to me number two I will not be rigid I will be flexible but again I'm going to say it this is important to me and number three gee do we have an opportunity where we could collaborate and do some of this together so so question so should I stop should I collaborate or should I listen? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. That was a, that was a song was like, lyric. Oh my God, Is that I MC Hammer? No, that's Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. Yeah, oh. yeah I, could, I couldn't help myself. Oh, there you go. And I, that went right over my head. <laughs> Dave's still trying to figure it out. In fact, I'm still trying to figure it out. But I know just, exactly where you were just, going. I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out why you remember that was it's, Vanilla Ice lyric. But yeah, uh, throw back to 1991. Yeah. yeah. So, But a lot of these are habits or um, you know routines that people do have a hard time sticking with when do you call in a coach I mean isn't that what a coach does right it's like holds you accountable in a whole lot of areas whether it's you know fitness or other life habits financial planning you know any of those things yeah when when uh, do people know uh, the do-it-yourself approach probably is that's yeah great question Dave um, I think when you call a coach is there's probably two reasons why the coach is initially very valuable to you. One is a sounding board, even before accountability kicks in a sounding board, you know, uh, 
am I crazy thinking I could write the next great American novel? Am I crazy thinking that I could, you know, run a marathon? Am I crazy thinking I could start a business? I have such little capital. You know, they need another person as a to gauge, am I crazy or is this possible? And coaching, it's about possibilities. And I don't take it lightly. I don't think it's very la-la. I tell everybody, look, we will discuss how possible this is. And, and, and unless I hear something that says you couldn't do this, we're going to work on the possibility of you achieving. So sounding board is the first thing, Dave, where people say, gee, I'm by myself or, or I don't really share this with my family. Maybe I should talk to somebody to help guide me. That's number one. Most people think of coaching along the sports analogy. I have a skill and I would like to improve that skill. That is true, that's another self-awareness. And it doesn't have to be a sporting, uh, an athletic skill, it can be a business skill. Um, I, I, uh, I speak and I give presentations, but I could be better. Maybe I should get a speaking coach. So they notice that there's an area for improvement. And then finally, uh, the, accountability, the accountability is what's really important is that um, I've had people email me the day before like a coaching session where they're like, Diane, I was up till one in the morning. I was up till one in the morning finishing what you told me to do. <laughs> I'm like, good, I don't really care that you didn't sleep. So, so for all of those reasons, uh, accountability, however it works, that's good enough for me. And then finally, a lot of times people, they don't celebrate their own joy. You know, they don't celebrate their own victories. They, they are, you know, they might be alone in their office and they landed a really big client and they don't have anybody to share that moment with, you know, those, those, that's kind of uh, important that a coach should care about when you're sliding backwards, but they should also say, Hey, did you acknowledge and recognize your victories? So for that, you know, person in business, who's thinking I need a coach, probably we're talking about more like the business owner, do you think, or should somebody sitting in a corporate office, thinking this isn't really going the way that I want, are, are, are they folks who should be looking at coaching and where do they find somebody? Yeah, um, it's not, yeah, it's not uh, pertinent to the job title, whether you're a business owner or whether you're a high level or low level or support level or mid level or any kind of level in the corporation. It's more about is something going on in you where you were settling for where you were, but now you're, now you're feeling a level of discontent. Now you're saying to yourself, gee, you know, um, I'm 40 years old, I'm 50 years old, I'm 60 years old, I have X amount of years left in the, do I want to do this till I'm 70? Or should I decide to take a leap of faith? And, and can I afford to do that? And all of those questions are very scary, but they would be less scary if you had someone that you could trust to say, well, let's walk through this together and we'll figure out whether it's possible or not. Maybe maybe after a decent amount of coaching, someone says, you know what, I think I better stay where I am, but at least I know that now. Well, so, so where do they find that person? I mean, if so for that person who's, you know, in a corporate world or, you know, they don't own the business, they're not the executive, where do they find somebody to help coach them? I mean, a lot of people, I guess, you know, turn to a friend or a coworker. Is there stuff online? Are there online resources? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, like definitely. Deion there's online. Yeah. there's um, there's International Coaching Federation of which I'm a member of. I'm a professional certified coach myself. I'm a member of that organization. Their website is coachfederation.org. 
So that website would, you know, it's similar to find an find an advisor. It's similar to that. You know, what what are the areas that you're looking for in a financial advisor? Well, what are the areas that you're looking for to help you, uh, you know, a coach that could help you in those areas? That's number one. Uh, I'm sorry, that's actually number two. The website number one would be: Do you know anyone getting coached? Or and it doesn't have to be a close friend or family member. It can be a coworker. It can be uh, somebody you went to school with and you've kept a friendship with. So that meant, you know, anything along those lines, uh, it's a referrals. Most of my clients come from referrals. So I had two quick co comments and I don't want to get us on a different tangent, but the first is, um, back to what Dave mentioned about finding a coach, having someone help you along. I mean, there's all sorts of resources online and some of the things you just mentioned, but also I've, I've heard that it's as simple as it can be as simple as telling somebody what your mm -hmm. plan is to help keep you accountable. Yes. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a, I'm going to go hire somebody, but just by, by articulating your goals and knowing that someone else knows them, yes. uh, that, that can be a very easy way to help get on track and, and stay on track. Is that something that you, you, you would agree with? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's not always necessary that you need and or hire a coach. It's necessary that if there is something going on in you where you say, gee, I wish I could do X, Y, Z. I wish I could do this. I just feel like I can't do it alone. Um, that's the first step in saying, will I do something about this feeling or will I just let it go and just keep doing what I'm doing? I had a financial planning uh, client when I had my financial planning practice. He worked in a large, uh, large corporation. He and three guys, they had a weight loss goal and they went by percentage because obviously people had different number of pounds to lose. So they, they made it a even, even scale and they went yeah. by percentage and the one who won got a fully paid trip to Las Vegas by the other three. So they went to Las Vegas for the weekend, like, like a year later, but the one guy who had the greatest percentage of weight loss, he was the one who got his full, full ride, plane ticket, meals, everything. And then he ate so, the buffet and put the weight back on. Yeah. And they had an except, what's that? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, Go no, ahead. No, no. That is not what happened. Okay. <laughs> but, but, and they kept a spreadsheet. They kept a spreadsheet every week within each, you know, it was a shared file. Um, so, so just a time check. So we have about five minutes yeah. left. And Diane, I know you have uh, another yes. obligation. So there's something that I had written down for a while, and we've kind of touched on it, but I want to just say the words and kind of have you give us any thoughts on it. But mental fitness, we've talked a lot about habits and hygiene, but, you know, whether it's the, the world we live in these days or the multiple priorities or the just the craziness of life, there's a certain aspect to fitness that's not physical, but it's a mental piece. Are there things, are there tools, are there things, is there advice that you can give listeners on how to stay as mentally fit as you can? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, in fact, um, mental fitness, well, and you and I offline, John, we had the conversation about fiscal fitness and physical fitness. And, you know, when people do New Year's resolutions, they always think of weight loss. That's a physical fitness area. However, fiscal fitness, I think, I'll get to mental in a moment. Uh, fiscal fitness is an area that's of great concern to many because money scares a lot of people and they want to save and they want. So fiscal fitness ties right into financial security, which is well-being. And I always talk about, you know, we worry about our health, but we also worry about our wealth. So there's fis physical fitness, fiscal fitness, which is really your area, what your firm does. And then there's the, the mental fitness you're talking about. The word I like to use instead of mental fitness is I use the word mindset. And I'll ask somebody, 
well, what's your mindset regarding success? Or what's your mindset regarding how you approach the way you want to live your life? And many times people are a little thrown by that question, but many of us will admit that we, at times, maybe lower points in our lives, self-talk can be very, very destructive. You know, the, the things that you're saying to yourself, you know, when you mentioned earlier about what do I get, what would I be worried about people judging me? Self-talk is driven by, are people judging me? Am I measuring up? It's, you know, am, am I falling short, et cetera? Well, the flip side of that is cultivating a mindset of, I am good. Yes, I can be better. How will I walk that journey? What are the things that I'm going to start thinking about, which will cultivate a mindset of success? And it's not arrogance. It's not cockiness. It is well-deserved self-confidence. There's a difference between self-confidence and cockiness. And I often say to people, the mindset that you have is just believing, believing that what you want to happen in your life can happen. That's really what it is. So you, so it sounds really simple. And you've, you've mentioned a couple of books. I mean, do you know of any kind of, this is an area that I think is very important. Are there any resources you've come across or good books in this area that our listeners might benefit from? Or even a podcast yeah, of yeah. someone that you really like? Yeah, um, there's, uh, there's a few. Well, actually, um, <laughs> Tim Ferriss has a podcast, but he does curse on it. <laughs> I need to prepare people that he drops an F-bomb. <laughs> but, but Tim Ferriss, he can. Yep. he's the author of Four Hour Work Week, which people mm. used to roll their eyes. But it, you don't have to take the Four Hour Work Week. His premise was, you know, creating a life where you get to do what you want to do. He interviews a lot of very interesting people. So I like his his podcast, Tim Ferriss. But in terms of books, um, there's a few of them. There's a book, um, Motivation Myth. Um, that one I, I enjoyed. That's Jeff Hayden, I believe. Um, the other one, by the way, is uh, the co-founder of LinkedIn. He wrote a book years ago. It's a dated book, but it's still worth reading. It's called The Startup of You. And he's the co-founder of LinkedIn. And he references plan A, plan B, and plan Z. So plan A might be where you are now in your life, but plan B might be, gee, maybe I could launch a business. Maybe I could start a career. And plan Z is like, what's your wildest dream that you're possibly thinking of? And, and really interesting suggestions, you know, fly to Chicago for five days, hook up with all the people you know in Chicago, see if you can connect with people for dinner, get something new going on in your life. And it's, you read this and you're like, wow, I'm not doing any of this. So it's, it opens your head, you know, your mind intimidated. To, yeah, yeah, you, we only get stuck stuck in our rut, you know, and rut is not routine, but go ahead. <laughs> well, so I know we're short on time because, uh, yeah. Diane, you got to run, yeah. but um, yeah, Penny, Dave, uh, any last thoughts for Diane? Uh, this may not be the last time we have you on the podcast, so um, I think this was a great start. Uh, hopefully folks on the, on the line got an idea of a couple things they can take away and, and work on immediately. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just say to anybody listening, I mean, as a, as a recipient of coaching, you know, from Diane for what, gosh, like almost 10 years, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, 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 I think what's important to remember is like that sports analogy of like, you know, if you play tennis, you've got a coach who's going to show you, here's why your backhand keeps going into the net. You probably won't be able to fix that yourself as quickly as if you have somebody who's an expert as to why that's happening because they're observing you and giving you feedback. And that's really helpful within, you know, business, within your profession, within what you're trying to improve on, is to have somebody who's kind of been there before, been successful and can help guide you and give you feedback and show you things that, 
you might not be aware of that might be bad habits and to help you get into the, those good habits. So I think it's a profoundly uh, life-changing uh, practice to, to, to employ in a lot of things that you do in life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. Diane, uh, any last words on your side? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, Dave. Um, yeah, uh, we, before when we said inspire, I always start most of my presentations saying I want to inspire and I want to inform. And to be honest, we, what you all do for a living is the same thing. You're trying to inspire in people the confidence that they can have in their you know, financial lives. And you want to inform them in the areas that they, they don't have the expertise and they don't have the knowledge, nor do they want to do it. They're going to you know, go to someone that they can trust. So it's really about try to fill your life, no matter what occupation you have, with people that you can inform and you know, inspire and inform. And do they inform and inspire you? And, and that, that leads to a rich life. Well, I think it's a great way to wrap this up. Diane right. McPhee, can't thank you enough. I hope this wasn't as painful as you thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm loving this. I'll do this weekly. I'm having so much fun. Thank you. I love your podcast. Well, awesome. Diane, again, thanks again. And Dave, Penny, thanks for being part of the team. I enjoy you inspire me every day. Thank you, Penny. Hey, Penny, we'll have to play tennis sometime because you don't play either. So that would be really interesting. I used to, I'm like, I used to play a long time ago. So there you go. It could be Ah. an interesting match, you and I. Yes, it would be. We're (laughs) both feisty. All right. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks. Have a great, uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Diane. Now, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to start recording on the computer. Now, the electronic computer. Ah, very good. I see it, John. All right. Now, what we're going to do is I want everybody in the count of three. <clears> we're going to clap. Mm-hmm. Get the audio tracks right. Don't screw it up, Penny. Just one clap, one not an applause. So in the con three, we're going to do like an alligator clap. One, two, three. <laughs> let's, try, nice. let's try that again. Check. One, two, three. No, you do it with us. One, I two, did. three. <laughs> There's a delay. There's a bit of a delay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, let's kidding. reenact. Let's let's reenact. Okay, I'll That's be very... all of us, and you can hey, be Diane. Here, here's hey, what we're saying. Hey, we're saying hey. this. That is so funny because what I'm seeing is my hands are coming together when you guys are clapping.